Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. We will be spoiling the current episode that we're on and referring to past episodes, but we will be spoiler-free of any further episodes in the series. I'm Jason, and oh, I do not like the idea of rebar coming out of me. (laughs) And I'm Harrison, and I love the idea of rebar coming out of Jason. (laughs) Jason, what episode... (laughs) What episode are we watching today? <laughs> uh, we are watching season three, episode eight, Lover's Walk. This is the one where the uh, Willow and Xander love storyline comes to a head. We also get a reappearance <laughs> of William the Bloody, a.k.a. Spike. Yeah. Uh, Lover's Walk was written by Dan Weber and directed by David Semmel and originally aired on November 24th, 1998. Uh, and I just want to make a note about David Semmel. He's he's directed a, a couple of episodes here and there, but I looked him up today, and he is fine as hell. Like, Silver <laughs> Fox action. Uh, he's also just, like, a pretty prolific television director. Most recently, he's worked on Star Trek Discovery. Um, okay. But he is real hot. Like, I... I yeah, so... All right, I'm going to look him up. I've, I need to see what's going on with this. Uh, David Simmel. Kind of like an Anderson Cooper, but a little more approachable. He actually kind of reminds me of like... Um, all right, if this is the... Yeah, this is who I think... He kind of reminds me if you took like Hugh Grant and... Um, oh, what's the name of the guy who plays Andy on The Office? Oh, um... Uh, Ed Helms. Yeah, him. yeah Ed if Helms. you like put Hugh Grant and Ed Helms together, um, that's who you'd get to get David Simmel. And I mean, that's not the worst combination. Yeah, it's a it, it sounds weird on paper, but like yeah, I, I I just clicked on his like thing and I was like, oh who's he? And I was like, Oh, I mean he, you could He looks like he'd me. be really nice to you. Like yeah, he would buy yeah. you nice gifts, not too expensive, mm-hmm. but like also, something you want. Yeah, and there's a lot of thought in it. He'd He'd give you a witch Pez dispenser. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know what we should do? Play that intro music. All right. So, Jason, um, before we get into our episode, like proper... I feel like we should briefly address what's happening outside uh, in the world. Um, Yeah. So, listeners, you may have noticed our last episode had no mention of anything going on in the world uh, because it was recorded several weeks ago. Yeah, Um, basically, like, when I have time off, um, then, like, we can record an episode a day. (laughs) But the week's... Since the, we last recorded, I've been a little busy for me. I don't know if they've been busy for you, Harrison. No, nope, because uh, I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. That's not funny. I shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, like um, between work and like uh, stuff around the house and all sorts of stuff. 
And just, we both had to buy whole ass new computers. Yeah, we, like, we are both <laughs> using new computers right now. I got a new bed. Oh fuck! You, I knew you were getting one. Yeah, um, like the um, the box spring was the last thing that came in. Like the mattress came in like a month before the box spring, and now it's all nice. finally there and it's nice. But. I believe you wanted to talk about something serious. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry um, about that. Once again, booze has hit hard. Um, yeah, so, you know, obviously outside in the world, there have been um, protests, um, public outrage over the deaths of, um, of several um, black people in the United States at the hands of the police. Of course, this is nothing new um it's actually one of my pet peeves that i keep seeing where people going it's time to do something and i'm like you know what? it's fucking well past time to do something yeah um, like it it was time to do something before this damn country was founded yeah um in louisville where jason and i live as i think we've made it pretty clear um we've lost uh two members of the black community here brianna taylor and david mcatee um, and we have had, uh, protests, uh, John and I went to, have been to a couple of the protests and marches. Um, so really just all of that is to say, we are here to say with our, our platform that we have, uh, especially as two, uh, cisgender white men, um, that we stand with the Black Lives Matter, um, movement and, um, Please, whatever you can do to support, um, whether that's marching, whether that's donating, whether that's educating yourself and educating others, please do. Um, in in lieu of our normal nonprofit this week, where I'm gonna uh, just in our show notes, gonna have a lot of resources for for all of those things: support, education, donation, whatever it is, um, because this is a really serious issue. Yeah, and um, and I wanted to add, um, I saw a post on Facebook today, and it kind of, like, rang fairly true. It's like, that and the latest episode of Last Week Tonight covering um, covering the police um, mm-hmm. hit me fairly hard. Um, if you, if you First of all, if you aren't watching Last Week Tonight with John Oliver at all, um, you, should, you should watch it. Um, a lot of the uh, main stories are available for free on YouTube. And this entire last episode is available for free. Um, he usually takes a very... Well, it is, like, um, very uh, left-leaning. Um, it also uh, takes deep dives into a lot of issues that normally aren't in the uh, in the public eye. But also... Um, but this, this last episode obviously focused on police in general and, like, mm-hmm. what to do about the current situation. Um... But the Facebook post that I saw said, um, like, obviously news coverage at this point is, like, starting to go down a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. the protests aren't as intense as they were um, because, like, when when these murders were fresh, when George Floyd's murder was fresh, mm-hmm. when Breonna Taylor's, um, like, when the footage released of her was fresh. Um, and, yeah, it's really easy to get involved in a cause at the very beginning, um, mm-hmm. when like it's very much in the public eye, but I mean this systemic racism problem, like will persist unless people are constantly bringing it up, and that's 
that's the thing. Like, I mean, eat, like anytime there's a mass shooting, like obviously the call comes up, uh, the cry goes out for gun, for gun mm-hmm. law reform, but then it just dies down. And until I the mean, next one, until the next one. And it's just like a, a never ending cycle of problems. So like mm-hmm. what kind of matters, uh, the Facebook post kind of emphasized that what kind of matters now is what you do in the next weeks because Mm -hmm. this is like the point when like some things will drop off but like i mean we have to continue being loud we have to continue to like donate um we have to continue to educate ourselves there's there's lots of things available on streaming platforms there's lots of books to read um Mm -hmm. and I'm, i'm sure if like if you follow like any celebrity on instagram they have like shared i know um emma watson shared a fairly large list of uh of works to look at mm-hmm. um and i mean there's probably like african-american sources you can go to as well i just said like emma watson because yeah. that's like the first thing that came up in my head um but yeah like so stay involved um and yeah like i fully echo what harrison said about like stay standing with the like the black lives matter movement mm-hmm and I do want to say one more one more name because I feel like his name has been uh, drowned out a lot is Tony McDade, who was a transgender man who was killed by police in Florida. Um, he has largely been, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say ignored. I don't think that's fair, but... Um, you know, his name has not been shouted as loudly as the others. Um, and I, frankly, I think the reason is bias against the trans community. Um, and, you know, we don't stand for that here. Um, so I just, what I wanted to just bring that up too is um, uh, Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter as well. So. Yep. Um, all right. So. With all that said, oh gosh, I'm like, oh, also, I'm getting also, a little like, ugh. This is like our first, um, we, since it's been a while since we recorded, um, this is our first episode that we recorded in June for Pride mm-hmm. Month. Yes. So we always say like, we always in the episodes go slay and be gay. So um, to all of you people who are out there that are members of the LGBT community, or if you are allies, proud allies, like I I myself like I myself consider myself to be then um yeah like happy pride month and uh yeah like it's it's really crazy out there but don't forget to like celebrate being you yeah I honestly I keep forgetting it's pride month like that's well, kind of where we are in the, the world the world is like... absolutely crazy <laughs> right now all right um so so moving uh moving on uh uh, in our topics, but of course, never in our hearts. Jason, what are you drinking today? So I am excited because my mom actually got me a bottle of wine from White Mire, a uh, okay. a Kentucky winery. And uh, I, for is, a second, was like, "There's a a Meyer for white people." I thought that was just Myers. W i g h t. So kind of like the um the whites in uh in uh Lord of the Rings. Mm. um at the barrow downs um but uh the wine is a kentucky crimson cabernet and uh i have a glass poured right here and i've been waiting to try it lovely 
Uh, I am drinking some uh, sake, some warm sake. Uh, um, I'm sorry, like, so s- the only time I've had sake, warm sake, is uh, with um, when uh, Ben, Alex, and I went down to Disney World, mm-hmm. and uh, we did the drinking around the world, and yeah, so, and like, got- yeah, and the main, um, and, like, obviously the main recommendation when you go to Japan is uh, try the warm sake. I, I was not a fan. Uh, so here's the thing about warm sake. Um, so sake actually traditionally in Japan is served cold. Um, the warm sake kind of came about by when uh, because uh, Japan would export basically the cheaper, shittier sake to other places, but would keep the good sake to themselves. <laughs> and so... Um, in other places, they were like, oh, this tastes better heated up than, than it does uh, cold. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, I personally really like sake, but uh, cold or warm. But I also, I understand why it might not be to, to, everyone's, uh, to everyone's taste. You're also um, like, you also just really like alcohol. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week is an even episode that means it's your turn to do a toast is that right yeah okay so i will use this to like um i will use this to like uh, get serious one more time mm-hmm. um but uh to all the people who have been out there protesting i mean you all like not only risk um the violence that the police are so willing to dish out but you are also risking um, exposure to COVID because mm-hmm. that is still a thing. Um, but uh, what you're doing, you're doing for a good cause, and it is working. Like, yeah. it is getting results. So here's to all of you who are protesting, and especially to those of you who have been hurt by protesting. You all are heroes. Cheers. 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 Is it good? Ooh, that, yeah, it's a nice, smooth red. I like it. I almost had wine tonight, but that was just like, I don't know. I just really wanted some sake. No, dude, d- drink what you want. Yeah. Earlier but, uh, we had some, uh, some Cosmos John made. He just came home and was just like, I'm really like, I want to make some Cosmos. And I was like, okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So back in Sunnydale, Sunnydale. Um, Willow and Xander, uh, are discussing the SAT scores because if you remember yeah. from, uh, two weeks ago, Band Candy, uh, Will, uh, Buffy was preparing for the SATs, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Willow got a 740 on her verbal. And she's is not happy. No, she's not. <laughs> That's um, a good score. <laughs> like, yeah, that is a good score. Um, it, it, I always forget like what the scale is, because uh, like we both discussed, we, we both mm-hmm. did not take the SAT. Um, uh, yeah, Xander so says... If if I may ask, um, and please feel free not to share this if you if if you uh, if you don't want to, do you remember what you got on your ACT? Yeah, I got a thirty-one. Nice. I got a twenty-six, and I was real mad about it <laughs> because I was consistently like when doing my like like practice ACTs, scoring between like. 30 and 30, 30, 31, 32. Like, yeah. 
really consistently. And then I got a 26 on the real test, which a 26 on an ACT is still a good score. Yeah. But I was so mad that like, and I, I took my ACT at UofL's campus and I got lost trying to find where it was so and oh, I like was so you were flustered when you got I there. I was flustered and I like I was almost late. I got there a minute before like oh, they were wow. gonna shut me out. So I was like, so yeah, like it definitely affected how I did on the test. But also, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna I just I just need to get this out of there. I wrote no, a say really, it, man, just say it. I wrote a really, really fucking excellent 3.5 essay for the writing section, which it, when I took it was optional to do the writing. But I am a writer, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that part. And yeah, it was the person optional. who scored it, ugh, they gave me such a shitty score. And they were like, you didn't follow the like the rules of a 3.5 essay. You didn't have an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. And I was like, actually, I fucking did have an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. Dude. Like, if you could recreate that essay, I'd love to read it. And I don't even see. know what the fucking essay was about, man. I couldn't tell you. Because, honestly, 10 years... I was about to be like, honestly, 10 years later, it doesn't even matter. But I clearly just, like... Yeah. <laughs> you kind of disprove your own point there. Um, I am... 10 years later, I am less upset about my overall score that I got on the ACT. But I'm still bitter about that essay. But at the time, I was really devastated that I got a 26. Yeah, the first time I took the ACT, I got a, um, I got a 29, and uh, I'm like, oh, that's really good, and I'd, like, kind of, like, uh, been, like, a little, like, stressed out about it, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, like, oh, that's good, don't have to worry about it, and then, like, my guidance counselor was like, you know, if you take it again, you could get, um, and if you got, like, above a 30, that, like, opens you up to so many more scholarships, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll take it again, and... I don't know what it was, but like back then, I uh, I was like I did not I never liked any of the stories for the reading comprehension part. Like mm-hmm. my mind would always kind of wonder and stuff like that. So I think that was probably my lowest score the first time I took it. But like uh, the second time I took it, I distinctly remember the first uh, reading selection was about the history of jazz, and cool. I was like. I find this really interesting. That kind of like gave me momentum to go through the rest of the test, to go through the rest of that section. So I guess I was like, oh, maybe that was it. That's all I needed. Yeah. See, that was the section where I got my highest scores. <laughs> um, the I math section, not probably so much. came from math. Yeah, not for me. Um, <laughs> I I didn't take it a second time because it's not cheap to take the ACT. Um, no, it's not. Which is just one of many reasons how academia is problematic and... Uh, oh, yeah, all those know. tests are ridiculous. Like, the AP tests are, mm-hmm. were, like, ridiculously expensive. I never I took-, took any AP tests because they, because they were expensive, and at the time, and then, know, my like, family the, couldn't um, afford it. Yeah, and then like the uh, the subject, G- the GRE subject test. If you like want to go to grad school and you're in like a science or something like that, it's normally required that you get a G- that you take a GRE subject test in the United States, and it's like it's like I think it was like 145 or maybe more um, every time you try to take it, and 
Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that exam's horseshit. <laughs> yeah. So Jason and I have a lot of opinions about uh, structures of education in our country and how they are designed to keep people down. Anyway. But yeah, um, so, <laughs> so like, yeah, so, but Willow has a 740 on the verbal, on the verbal part of the SATs and Xander's like, oh, wow, that, um, that's actually kind of <laughs> close to my whole entire score, his combined score. No surprises there. Um, no. You know what, for an episode that features Xander so heavily, I, I don't think I have a lot of the issues with Xander this so week. I will say this, like, even though, like, one of the main parts is the dealing with the Willow-Xander relationship, mm-hmm. everything outside of that is actually really solid. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, honestly, like, even it, the Xander-Willow stuff is at its most tolerable. I think mostly because it ends. But, like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I Cordy, agree. Cordy and Oz show up. And uh, I always thought it was really weird that, like, they were walking together. I guess they were just both on their way to see their significant others. Um, the, yeah, it just doesn't seem like they would hang out, the two I of ag- them. I agree with you, but I think you're what you say, that they are just like, you know, they, they each have a significant other who is definitely, their significant others are definitely together right now. So it makes sense that they would converge on their way to... Uh, to finding them. And um, I think it's like, it's easy to get lost in this, but um, like, it's easy for this part to get lost in the shuffle because it's not even in the Buffy wiki um, that I'm looking at. But uh, Cord- like Cordelia shows off her scores to Xander and they're mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I it's okay. That. It's like, oh, it's okay. I, I have mastered ways of hiding this. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's all just like how the stuff that you wouldn't think matters to Cordelia really does matter to her. And that She's obviously is like character. Yeah. That is obviously like a huge, a huge part of this episode. But yeah. then, uh, we're missing a, we're missing a titular character here. Uh, it's Buffy, the vampire slayer. Yeah. With her 1430. Yeah. No, Good I, for her. yeah, no, like I, I remember thinking like, everybody's like congratulating her and stuff and i'm like i wish i was there to congratulate you buffy (laughs) like because like she's really had a rough like few months Mm -hmm. and to see her like even when she was like because she was trying to do all the makeup tests she couldn't get like a teacher to sign off on her recommendations so like it's been like really tough for her she missed out on her senior picture and like the fact that she's able to succeed in this is so good and um, and Cordelia, of course, is like, "Hey, you can, you can leave and never come back." <laughs> and she's like, "I meant that in a good way. Who'd ever come back to Sunnydale?" Cue. So, <laughs> before we get to this fantastic smash cut, I do want to take a moment because I took I, I actually left my notebook in the other room, but it turns out I don't need it. I need to talk real quick about the outfits outfits in this opening scene. So I want to talk about Xander first because Xander's actually dressed pretty well. Like he, the I wonder if they wearing... were all dressed well and I just didn't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> so Xander's wearing his typical like button up shirt, but it's, it actually fits him. <laughs> like, it's not it, like, like two it's... sizes too big. Yeah, no, it's like, it's a good fit. Um, the pattern is a little loud, 
but it's not so horrible. It's like a purple, <laughs> purple kind of argyle thingy. Um, his pants are too big, but I'm not going to hold that against him. That was of the time. <laughs> and it's like true. it generally, it generally looks. He looks presentable. He looks like a human person. <laughs> Willow, on the other hand, is wearing orange pants and a shirt that is like 20 different colors and has like a weird cartoon woman on it. I don't know why I just like was not paying attention to that entire outfit. I literally paused during the scene (laughs) so I could write down all these outfits. The other two that I'm going to mention are Cordelia. Um, She's wearing a red shirt and red like matching sweater with a black plaid skirt. Um, it's not like super showy. It just looks really good. And Buffy's wearing a super cute, like light blue sweater with a matching skirt that also just, it just looks very nice. And Oz is wearing something. I honestly didn't take notes about what Oz was like, wearing. Probably, probably like an orange uh, button down shirt with a t-shirt underneath. It, I think it was blue, the button down oh, okay. shirt. But, but yeah, otherwise, um, so it just it just really like stuck out to me that like I was like God Willow's wearing something awful which is not shocking but I was like but Xander actually looks pretty nice like okay <laughs> which is shocking <laughs> anyway segue to Spike driving back to Sunnydale actually driving through the sign that mm-hmm. says Welcome to Sunnydale again yep echoing <laughs> his appearance his first appearance in school hard in school hard. Um, uh, and he is, he, listen, this is Booze and Buffy, and here is Spike, like, with a lot of booze on Representing Buffy. the booze. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a fun moment. Like, I, I love this. Um, I don't know. I actually, I should have looked this up before we did this and I didn't. I am curious if this was a surprise to watchers at the time or if they were like, or if the, all the advertisements for this week were like this week, spike returns. I'm going to assume like the latter. Be, yeah. I feel like that yeah. has to be it. Cause normally, normally when like a character that big comes back and they're there for the entire episode, that's like, they're going to throw yeah. that in the ads. Um, but it is yeah, it is a really fun reveal of, of yeah. him and so far removed from where we saw him last. And um he goes to uh he goes to the um like their old hideout and uh you kinda wonder why he's there. Then he like picks up the weird <laughs> fucking burned like baby dolls and like why is he He's like oh he's he's mad about Drusilla like this involves Drusilla because who else would have those weird fucking dolls? Yep, uh, she left him. <laughs> she left him. Uh, as we'll find out later, for a chaos demon, they're all yeah. slime and antlers. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna go back to uh, the. We're going to go back to the school and um, Xander. And these are like two really, really sweet scenes um, designed, literally put yeah. into this episode. Like from as a so listeners, as you know, I am a writer um, and I specifically write for um, uh, mostly film and television or the mediums that I like to write for. Um, don't worry. You've never seen anything I've written. 
Um, Except that one thing. Uh, unless you came to the reading of my play. I <laughs> Jason did. Me! Um, but, so that, as a writer, though, I, I love viewing these things from a writer's perspective. And from that perspective, I'm go- these two scenes, I'm going, oh, yeah, these two scenes, these really sweet scenes between Xander and Cordelia, between... Um, Willow and Oz. Willow and Oz, that is bridged between a pretty cute scene with all four of them, is designed for to to just be. ah, I, I'm a writer, and I'm just all the words have lost me. Um, (laughs) For the for the end of this episode, you know. Yeah, it is definitely the. I will say though, it's not like. It doesn't feel like it's out of left field, though. It feels like... Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. It, it, the like, end of... I guess I should have said, the end of this episode hurts so much more... Because of those Because scenes. of these scenes. But, yeah, but, like, those those scenes weren't just put in there. Like, it, it's... I, I, I actually... While, yes, Oz giving the uh, witch Pez dispenser to Willow is adorable, I think so the cute. one that I love more of the two is um, Xander... Uh, like trying to be like, oh, let's do a double date with um, with uh, with uh, Willow and Oz, and um, he's obviously doing that to like be like, hey, we're we're over this. Like, let's let's show them that we're over this. Yeah. Um, at least I hope that's why they're doing it, and they're not just like, oh, yeah, it's a chance for us to see each other. Honestly, no, it could go I, either way. I my interpretation based on what's happening in this episode is the former that it is, um. It is more of a, let's try to put things right. Like, okay. I, that's how I've always yeah. felt about but, it. Um, but no, like, and like, uh, he's at Cordelia's locker and he notices that there are pictures of, like, really nice pictures of him mm-hmm. and Cordelia together. They're in so her, cute. Yeah, in her locker. And, and like, it, it's, you think of where they started like, we, we've said this throughout, like, the evolution of their relationship, but you think of where they started, and you think of where they are now, and you're like, and again, here's another thing, like, court, like, obviously this matters to Cordelia more than, more than she wants to let on, but, mm-hmm. uh, no, like, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I love it, I think it's cute, I, I, I just really love it. I agree, um, and equally cute and lovable as you mentioned, is the Oz and Willow scene with the Pez dispenser. I think the, I think the Xander and Cordelia scene hits a little harder because it's a little more unexpected. You know, Oz's, Oz's gesture to Willow is, is it's just typical. So sweet. And it's beautiful, but yeah, you're right. It's, we, we expect nothing less from him. Whereas from Cordelia, this actually is, like pretty surprising to see um in a positive way yeah um and uh although there is one line that i'm i am curious to get your read on because it it always strikes me in a weird way where he gives her the gift and willow has a line where she says something along the lines of um i don't have anything i can give you or something and he just responds yes you do how do you interpret that line Jason. I always just assume like the way that he said it is like, um, yes, you do your love. And like, cause that's, okay. I think that's all that, uh, I think that's all that Oz really wants. Um, I, I don't know. Like w- were you thinking, what other interpretation were you thinking of? 
I think there is is room to interpret that um, as a, like a sexual thing. Like, here's something you can give me is your virginity, um, which I reject the concept of virginity, but that's a whole other thing. Um, I, I don't think that is the intention, but I think the line as written... I don't know. It's just, I always think that in my mind and I, it kind of undercuts I guess like the way that he says it and then just like kind of walks away. It's like, oh yes you do. And then just like kind of walks and has like this look in his eye. But at the same time, I feel like Oz has been nothing but a gentleman. Like, Agreed. Um, yeah. Even, even like when back in, uh, innocence, like, um, he said like, oh, I'd love to make out with you, but, like I wouldn't want to make out with you now mm-hmm. while you're like tr- while you're mad at Xander. So I feel like uh, I feel like him just like making a comment like, "Oh, I gave you this Pez dispenser, so you you can give me your virginity." I I, I think that's just that's not something that Oz would do. I um, agree. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can see like to the untrained eye that would be like yeah. I just think it's less of my interp like it's less of how I think Oz would react. I just think the line in and of itself and how there's no follow up to it is a little weird. Like, I I don't know. I I'm trying to I'm having a hard time qualifying my feelings for the line because I'm I uh, do you know it, what I mean? It is a very strangely written line. Yeah, um, but regardless, all of this is just very nice and uh the gang agrees to go bowling together um yeah and cordelia cordelia did not want to go but um like i think like xander does something a little adorable like he says like mm -hmm. oh can i get a swing vote then like swings around to like uh try to convince her and um yeah this is good xander this is like it really is like be like this more often xander <laughs> yeah that's not gonna happen um <laughs> but uh yeah so um they yeah they do eventually decide to go on the date um uh buffy goes to the library she's shown giles her scores is this and, giles um, is only seen in the episode i think so because he's like going to the uh yeah off on the he's retreat. going to the watcher's retreat um, he, which, got hey, he got invited this week. To. Hooray! <laughs> um, After and, uh, last week, the watchers were like, "Okay, we have to fucking invite him this time." <laughs> and uh, and Buffy, um, he did like get rid of that Gwendolyn Post girl. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so like Buffy's kind of going on and on like about how like oh yeah like my mom like thinks that like I should start looking at colleges and stuff like that. And she's very much expecting Giles to be like, oh, you have, like, your duties as a slayer. But no, he, like, says... And I think, um... I think it's not only, like, the first time that Buffy needs to start considering that she has, like, a future beyond slaying. But I think it's also the first time that Giles is... I mean, Giles, when she was talking about studying for for the SAT, Giles did say, like, oh, you need to think about college and stuff... But I think these scores make it real, and like you can mm-hmm. see how like sort of aghast um, Giles is, and um, it's like, uh, and Giles wants Giles wants Buffy to keep slaying because they have the 
the daughter-father relationship, um, among other things. Uh, but um, I think, like, a big thing here is um, it's one of those few moments, like, you, like obviously there's the, uh, there's the theme of, like, Buffy wanting a normal life, but mm-hmm. the minute that it seems like slaying could be taken away from her, she gets on the defensive. Mm-hmm. So you realize that, like, as much as she is lo- as she would like be loath to admit it, she needs the slang. Yeah, it's definitely a character trait we've seen in her before. Whereas she, as much as she constantly is, you know, being like, "Yeah, this is my destiny, and I hate it." All that. Anytime there is a um, a threat to her position as a slayer, a when Kendra and Faith both show up immediately, that's yeah. to her. It's, you know, these are, they being the slayer for everything that is brought to her has also brought to her purpose, I think. And as much as she likes to, you know, complain about it, I don't think she's willing to give up that purpose, that sense of purpose, that duty. Um, and that is why... I love Buffy so much as a character. She yeah, she's is, so real. Like she's, she's full so of, real. She's full of contradictions, <laughs> and I th- honestly think like that's a that's as close of a definition as, uh, to human as mm-hmm. you can like possibly get. Like of being full of contradictions. I mean, who the hell has more contradictions on the planet Earth than human beings? Yeah, I I there's so many people who are fans of the show, but I've heard be like, uh. Like, Buffy's the worst character on Buffy. And I'm like, mm, she is not. Like, like yeah, maybe she's not always likable. But you know what? She, mm, I love Buffy. I, I just, I think, and this, this sort of character work we're seeing from her in this episode, where she gets something unequivocally good happen to her, which are these SAT scores, these really good SAT scores that people would kill for. Even Willow is like... Like, I'm, like, having academic jealousy over this. And, but but it causes such internal strife for Buffy because of her unique position. And that is just such good character work. Um, Just both from the writing side of things and from Sarah Michelle Michelle Gellar's performance. Um, Yep. And that, and that's not even... Uh, that's not even bringing in the angel side of things, which is a big part of this episode. So, so many yeah. layers here at work. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, one, th- one scene I do love before we say uh, bye to Giles for this episode is um, like uh, when he was talking about, like when they were talking and she said like, Oh, and my mom saw them. Her head, her her head, like just started tur- spinning around and exploded. And Giles <laughs> looks at her and says, "I'm sorry. I've been on the hell mouth too long. That is metaphorical, isn't it?" Such a good line, so perfectly delivered by Anthony Head. Like, yeah, it's that is fantastic. Um, and it, yeah, it's a it's a very real fear that he, like that could make it happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, in Xander and Willow, they are like once again doing their like oh let's let's hide from everybody else, and they're like about to 
like Xander wants to like kiss her earlobe or something. Yeah, that's and, weird. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they're like, hey, no. And uh, I love like when he when he like when he like starts to think about trying to, like Willow holds up the witch Pez dispenser and she's like, no! <laughs> yes! Um, um, there's also a really great line here, and I fuck, I wrote it down, but of course, as I said, I left my notebook in the other room. But where um, they're talking about bowling, and Willow's like, it's all sexy, the smoke and the sweating and the rented shoes. shoes. And says, <laughs> Xander's like, you're turned on by rented shoes. And Willow just goes, that's not the issue. <laughs> I mean, she's like, she is a 17-year-old in high school, probably turned on by everything. I know As, I was. To quote Xander... <laughs> In uh, I th- I think it was in Innocence. Yeah. I'm turned on by linoleum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but they they say like, oh, you know what? Like, uh, oh yeah, Xander says like, man, I wish you could just like get rid of all these feelings that we have. Um, and Willow's like, hmm, that pings an idea in me. <laughs> uh, but um, I gotta say. David Boreanaz looks so sexy just reading a book by the fire. Um, did you notice what book he was reading? I saw that it was like um, by Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre. He, Sartre? Yeah, he was, okay. reading, he was reading Nausea by Sartre uh, in French. Because uh, the, the trans- you can see the translation is, is a French translation. So he's reading a Sartre novel in French by the fire, which is so angel. <laughs> Just like, what an angel move. <laughs> um, there is, um, I did look up what, Sart- uh, what Nausea is about, and it is, um, the plot is like, um, it's about like this man who like, he starts like losing his mind uh based on his like relationship with inanimate objects and also um a lost love so i think there i think that is huh. pretty um the lost love specifically um yeah is relevant to this episode but yeah while he's while he's doing that um spike is drunk off his ass and and he's just like he uh, the funny thing is like he waits for angel to walk away then he says like you think i'm afraid of you (laughs) and then it's like you're going down turns around just falls to the ground which is face plant which you think is like which you think is the funniest part but he actually stays passed out until the morning when the sun comes up and his hand catches on fire. Yeah. I love that, like, the first thing he goes to, to put it out, is, like, the little, like, fountain above the fountain, and, like, there's no (laughs) water there. So then he, like, just puts it into, like, that giant, like, thing of water, and... (laughs) Yeah. It is so good. It's really good. I... Spike is so good in this episode like i think oh yeah this episode could like everything that happened in this episode because it could have easily happened with a random monster of the week 
But bringing Spike in for this episode is perfect. Yeah. Like, it works so well. And, um, uh, yeah, and, like, as we'll see in the scene, like, later with the mayor, um, it, like, it it feels right because, I mean, they do recognize him as a threat, Mm -hmm. but, um... It's a threat that's gotten rid of easily because he just leaves. At yeah, the end. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> I um, I love that. But yeah, and then he uh, so he like, he he gets into his car because his car is like the blacked out windows, mm-hmm. and the um, I love he does the classic move of like, oh my hands hurt, I'm gonna pour some alcohol on it, then drink from that same bottle. Yep, what a trope. I love it. And I, and I mean that in a good way, like not like, <laughs> yeah, um, I hope that, I hope that if I ever get like a serious wound that there's like a bottle of alcohol around for me to both like sterilize my wound and get me drunk. <laughs> I mean, I hope, I guess I hope you get seriously injured at my house. Why is this? Cause there's, what is wrong with you? You like want a, you want a piece of rebar no, coming out of no. me. You were just saying that you, if you get seriously injured, you want there to be alcohol nearby. There will be alcohol nearby at my house. There's alcohol at my house. Fine. I hope you get injured at your house all alone and die. <laughs> anyway. I love um, you. Yeah, I feel it. Um, so yeah so like uh um buffy's mom joyce is trying to like really get her into um like thinking about colleges yeah and And it's buffy is very conflicted over all of this um we haven't mentioned this but the big thing that everyone is bringing up um even though she doesn't appear in the episode is faith can do it like like that is kind of the window that is opening up for, um, for Buffy. Nobody is, cares about Faith's future. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is kind of. I think that's an important thing to discuss. Like, everyone's going, "Oh, Buffy, you can have a future. Faith can just take over," and no one fucking consults Faith on this plan. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like nobody's been um nobody consults faith about anything mm-hmm. um which we've had that discussion uh yeah. had it last week um in booze and buffy time <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah so she decides to like um talk to angel about it and uh she like um and she's like says like oh what do you think i should do and Angel says, like, as a friend, I'd say you should. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, come on, guys. We know that they're not friends. And it, it it's finally... <laughs> so does Spike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spike basically comes up and, like, just causes every relationship to be torn asunder. Um, Good for him. Yeah. No, he, he'd, he'd very much love that. Um, but, yeah, like... Uh, and, like, obviously, Angel doesn't like saying this to her. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that she's emphasized, like, oh, we're friends and stuff like that. And he's like, well, then, like, you should go. It's like, it, it is good for you to, like, get out. And um, Buffy, of course, takes that the wrong way and then just leaves. 
Yeah. So then, uh, then Spike goes into the magic shop. Now, I want to make a comment here about something that was in the magic shop. So there's a, um, the boob. Are you talking about the boobs? Yes. The boob yes. thing. <laughs> the demon mask that had like yabos on full display. <laughs> very conspicuously like it's not even like oh it's in the background it's like center screen it's in your face (laughs) yeah and and i love like so yeah i just had to like mention that like that's what i wasn't i normally don't write notes down during episodes but i had to write that down to make sure i wouldn't forget it um Mm -hmm. but yeah um so yeah spike is basically asking like he wants a curse for Angel, because he blames Angel for like all of the uh, all the things mm-hmm. that happened to him, and um, I love how he's like just says like he eventually gets the leprosy. Yeah. It's like yeah, <laughs> I want him to get leprosy, and this and the, the magic shop owner is like, I'm sorry, we don't sell leprosy. <laughs> I love this magic shop owner. She's oh got, yeah, like, like uh, ten I lines. Love- 30 seconds yeah. of screen time, but what a delightful person. She, yeah, she comes up and she's like, all right, I'm sensing a lot of negative energy here. <laughs> and of course, this is now the second magic shop owner we've seen uh, yeah. in Sunnydale. And the second one that dies. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, Willow uh, comes in while um, Spike is just like grumbling to himself in the corner and um she's like getting um stuff for a love spell which the shopkeeper points out um and uh so spike obviously like pays attention to that Mm -hmm. and um when will leaves like the uh um like the shopkeeper comes up to spike and says like oh did you find a spell book and he's like no i got a better idea and then like bites her because you know spike be spike spike be spike i do really love the um when the shopkeeper is helping willow and she's like talking about like uh she basically i like the way she gives her advice where she's like oh you want an anti-love spell how about raven's feathers instead spread a little more discontent (laughs) Um, i just i just like those i love that little it's not much but it's just like a little touch of I mean, not realism, but, like, uh, it makes the world feel a little more lived in. Um, yeah. And I, I love that. It, I love seeing that in my stories where um, it's, you know, these just little details that don't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but make this world feel more whole. Yeah, and I think that's, like, something that really excels in uh buffy and angel Mm -hmm. like the fact that um like characters who get like maybe a minute or two screen screen time from the magic shop owner to numfar um (laughs) like they have like one scene but oh my gosh like that you remember them and and yeah it's like you said like it really fleshes out the world um yeah and uh i think that's something that I don't want to necessarily say has gotten lost in storytelling um, because I, I, I think there are so many shows that do it really well, but I think people underestimate the importance of world building in story. 
Yeah. Um, in especially in in uh, genre storytelling, fantasy, horror, sci-fi. Um, yeah, because like the um, the best uh, the the um, sci-fi and fantasy stories that are considered the best are the ones that are known for their world building, like mm-hmm. Tolkien, um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Um, and then like Isaac Asimov's robots and uh, foundation series and um, yeah yeah Game of Thrones so, that Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin yeah um, so we check in briefly with the mayor it's the uh, only scene that he has some uh, <laughs> some putt putt golf in his office um, that is and we such learn... a that is such a thing like I don't think I've ever. I've, I've been into offices for interviews. I have yet to, like, interview at a place where somebody has that set up in their office. <laughs> like, it, it, it is very much like a kind of a TV thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I do think this is interesting, though, that we learned that the mayor was well aware of Spike's presence in Sunnydale the previous season. Um... Uh, so even though this is definitely a spike episode, um, I, I like the way that we take the time to, to, to check in with the mayor and see how he's reacting to spike. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's like, um, it's kind of like how, uh, Angelus kind of figured into every episode, um, in the second half of the season of Buffy. It's like, remember like this may not be like the main story of the show but remember like the story is still happening like it is yeah an arc is present yeah um yeah um and then like he and yeah he's just i do love how um he says like oh i'd sell my soul to be good at the short game and it's <laughs> like Oh, well, too if late I had for not that. Already. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then getting really worried that he was mixing his metaphors by referring to uh, loose cannons and rocking the boat. And then what I really love is how he works through this metaphor to be like, well, they did have cannons on boats and a loose, loose one would one. rock the boat. <laughs> I love when like the deputy mayor is about to sit down on his desk and he like immediately snaps out. He's like, and like, yeah. and like, he's like, oh, yep, sorry. Um, but yeah, like, attention to cleanliness. Um, oh, my wine is here. Hooray! Hi, John. Say hi. <laughs> he did, he did immediately say turns hi. around. But uh, anyway, um, uh, so like, uh, before the double date happens, uh, Willow gets Xander to meet her in the chemistry lab and she's very much like trying to not make it be seem like it's a magic spell, even though it clearly and doing is. a shitty job of it. <laughs> like, and then like when I think like the point that like made me laugh and roll my eyes at the same time was when like uh, was when Willow says like, oh, that that's just a chemistry book. And Xander holds it up, and it's a book that's just titled Witchcraft. Witchcraft. <laughs> like, really? Oh, it's... She's... Yeah, she's not very smooth in this bit. And I will say, I, I, I honestly have to say, I... 
that 740 verbal sh- score is really showing up here. <laughs> I am mostly on Xander's side in this scene. Um, that he is very concerned that she is immediately resorting to, you know, black magic to deal with their their situation. And she, there's a line where he says something like. They have a bit of a disagreement over this, and she she says like, or he says, "Do you have to like resort to the black arts to not be attracted to me?" And she says like, "At the moment, no." <laughs> and while I am always here for a good Xander dig, there is the other side of me that's like, Willow, Willow, you're the one in the wrong here. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I have to, I, I'm sorry to say it, but I have to be on Xander's side right now. Like she didn't even ask him. Like it's yeah, there's it's Willow's decisions are questionable here. Um, oh, that has that been a theme for like this whole season. Um, luckily they get kidnapped before it can go any further. Yeah. Spike shows up and, um, Willow tries to, like, hit him with a microscope? Good for her. That, like, I was actually, as much as I was just bitching about Willow, I was so proud of Willow for, like, picking, like, something heavy, like, to defend, like, this is something that obviously backfires when Xander's the one who... Spike grabs it and, like, whacks Xander across the face with it. And, damn... Like, yeah, if it weren't for a, an injury that happens later, that would be the moment where I'd go, Xander got a full ass fucking like microscope to the face. And <laughs> I mean, I assume Jason, it's you not the worst with, injury in the episode. Yeah. You work with microscopes like in your job, right? Like they're heavy instruments, right? I don't. Oh, well, never mind. No, I just I assumed don't. you did because you're a scientist. But, okay, but I am right though, right? That microscopes no, no, no. They are, are really very fucking heavy. heavy. Okay, yeah. Um, I like. And, I went um, to high school chemistry class. I didn't do well, but I went to it. So yeah, um, Spike uh, has Willow and Xander locked in um, the basement of the factory, mm-hmm. and um, Spike just goes into like this long rant. And basically says, like, oh, I need a love potion. And uh, he, like, says, like, he caught Drew cheating on him with the chaos demon. <laughs> and and um, I will say, really, real quick, before the, this, like, kind of pathetic rant that he goes on, he actually is pretty terrifying at first. He threatens to shove a broken bottle through Willow's face. Yeah. Like, it, that is... Just that threat is pretty brutal. Obviously, it's undercut, I think, pretty quickly by <laughs> how much he breaks down. But I mean, that's um, kind of like Spike in this whole episode. It's like... This back and he's forth. He's not going... To, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and... I, uh, so I think Willow Allison Hannigan like, does such a good job of the terror of this situation. Yeah, and uh, Willow says, like, oh, I will... I will make this love potion, but I don't have everything that I need. And so, um, and so Spike goes to get it, get like mm-hmm. the rest of the ingredients. Meanwhile, um, Buffy's jumping rope in the library. Yep, she is. Um, 
Yeah, and um, I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) There is a certain costume choice uh, that even I noticed. (laughs) I mean, I was was trying not to say it, but... um, uh, Yeah, like, so Cordelia and Oz run in, and this time it's definitely because they have, like... (laughs) They have significant others who are friends. But yeah, they say, like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to meet him in the lab, and... The, uh, and, like, there's, like, like, stuff scattered everywhere. Before Buffy can really react to anything, she gets a call from Joyce, and she hears Spike say, hello, Joyce. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because remember, Spike was invited in at the end of, uh, at the end of season two. Yeah. So, so Uh, that's kind of where we are right now, is Buffy knows that Xander and Willow are missing in some sort of violent act and um but also spike is at her house with her mother yeah so um crazy things happening for buffy right now yeah um angel is walking by and uh yeah let's talk about why is let's talk about angel walking by (laughs) angel's kind of like is he going there to see um buffy I would assume. Um, One would assume. But he sees Spike in there and obviously reacts. He thinks that Spike is there to hurt Joyce. Here's what's actually happening (laughs) in there. Joyce is making Spike hot chocolate and talking about Drusilla. Joyce has my favorite line in this episode. Like... Maybe the whole series. I don't know. But (laughs) Spike is going on about Drusilla. And Joyce just sits down very calmly and just says, well, she sounds very unreasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, everyone, Joyce Summers is the friend you want when, (laughs) when you're going through, like, significant other, like, problems she is she does everything right she's she makes a hot beverage she sits down she listens she says what you need to hear you go joyce yeah and like (laughs) and um and if you ask her for little marshmallows then uh she'll go look for them for you she'll go get them she's sure they have (laughs) she's yeah this is such a um, good scene it's so good It really is. And then, like, Angel sees them in the kitchen, and he tries to, like, get in. But remember, they had the uninvitation spell Mm -hmm. um, when he was in Jealous. So he can't get in. And, um, and of course, Joyce is still stuck in Buffy Season 2, where Spike is the good guy, and um, Angel is, like, the evil killer. And, uh... Or excuse me, the evil crazy person. Like I don't know if she knows like he's if he's a killer or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so like uh, yeah, from from Joyce's perspective, the person outside of her house is the one who was harassing and stalking and threatening her daughter, and the person inside of her house is the one who her daughter was teamed up with. Yeah. So like, uh, and, like and, and the best thing is like while Joyce is looking at Angel, like Spike is miming, like biting her and stuff. Which I I actually think that um and I think That's like, gonna it, be our promo image for this episode, by the way. Like absolutely. 
I am I'm in full I'm in full support of that. Um, yeah, like uh, I don't. I think um, Joyce might be one of the few people that Spike would never, um, at this point in the series, Spike would never try to hurt. Um, even clearly, like this... he like he had every opportunity to. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but then Buffy shows up and uh, beats the shit out of Spike and invites uh, Angel in, mm-hmm. and um, Buffy's about to like stake Spike with a wooden spoon from the kitchen. Good for and, her. Uh, but yeah, good for all of the women like standing up to Spike. <laughs> Whether it be with um a microscope, a uh, a wooden spoon, or chaos team. <laughs> but uh the They're all slime and antlers. <laughs> That's such yeah, a good um, line. Spike says I love that, that uh, he's got he's got um he's got Willow and Xander and uh like if they don't help him, then he they're never he they're never gonna know where Will and Xander are. There's a great bit here while all of this is happening where Joyce is trying to keep up, where she's like, "Wait, Willow's a witch," and then he's like, "Xander, Xander's a witch." Like, <laughs> <laughs> Buffy, like, hang on, your now. mom's like it's like Buffy, your mom is in on the secret. So keep her in the goddamn loop. Like, it's past time. <laughs> oh, but. Uh, so all of this boils down to, though, that if, if Buffy is going to be able to save Xander and Willow, she, has to, she and Angel have to cooperate with Spike to help him get the, these ingredients that he needs. So they head to the magic shop. To the magic shop. And, uh... Oz is driving Cordelia in his van. And, uh, which, uh, specifically, we didn't mention this, but they are... they were, Buffy sent them to go find oh, Giles. I made a note about this. Um, because, oh. because, like, um, he, yeah, they need to find Giles. Uh, Oz asks, like, oh, where is Giles? And uh, she says, oh, like, they're at a clearing in the woods. And, and Oz is like, oh, I know where that is. I'm like, of course you do, you hippie. <laughs> dingoes ate my baby have definitely smoked weed up there oh my god like yeah you know that like they've gotten high up there several times like a fucking grateful dead concert (laughs) oh my god but anyway Um. (laughs) um yeah they're in um cordelia is in oz's van which looks very much like it belonged two decades prior um but uh actually belonged at a grateful dead concert um uh but yeah oz smells willow he can still hear and he can not happy with this development she's not i don't think it's that she's not happy she's just like that's weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love her line i'm not gonna lie it kind of is it is. No, you're right. I love her line. Is this some sort of residual werewolf thing? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's convenient, but you know what? This episode is moving at such a pace. I was actually, as I was watching it, I remember thinking like, wow, this episode is just, it's really well paced. Like, just stuff is happening. It is. Yeah. Like, and it's. At no point was I bored during this episode. Yeah. 
And, um, and uh, so as they drive off to where they think Willow and Xander are going to be, uh, Spike, Angel, and Buffy are trying to pick up the ingredients at the, uh, at the magic shop. And uh, Angel and Buffy are just piling on Spike, just like, wow, you kind of suck, man. <laughs> yep. So are we at Spike's monologue? Because I have this prepared. Oh, yeah, like, I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm mm-hmm. man enough to admit it. So but Spike says to Angel and Buffy, and it's 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 iconic. I think this is one of the more iconic Spike lines of the show. Um, the whole, he says, you're not friends. You'll never be friends. You'll be in love till it kills you both. You'll fight and you'll shag and you'll hate each other till it makes you quiver. But you'll never be friends. Love isn't brains, children. It's blood. Blood screaming inside you to work its will. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. And I mean, there it is. That's there's the episode summed up into (laughs) uh, just a really excellent monologue. Like, and it, I mean, I Buffy and Angel are shook by this. Like, (laughs) it really does. It really, they're they're both really affected by what Spike says, and um, obviously it influences true. it influences Buffy's decision at the end of the episode as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is true. Next is when like Xander wakes up, and mm-hmm. uh, and sh- and Willow kind of fills him in on everything, and so like Xander sees this as like oh, so we're gonna die soon, so let's go ahead and make out. And then, some, like, Willow was not quiet trying to open that door, but Oz and Cordelia are able to do it without making a sound, just so they can sneak up and see Xander and Willow going at it. Yeah. And, I mean, I will say, this is, I I think it's easy to call this the Spike episode, but for me, when I think if someone says "lovers walk" to me, oh yeah, my so the episode is, of season three where Spike's there. Uh, no, I was gonna say it's that's my secondary reaction. My okay. first reaction is "lovers walk" is the episode where Cordelia has a fucking piece of rebar through her. Yeah, she gets because, a gut punch and then a literal gut stab. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they Cordelia and Oz in the midst of trying to rescue Willow and Xander, walk in on them making out. Uh, Cordelia runs off. Uh, and just a fucking great, like, moment for charisma. Like, that that little oh god that she says before running off is heartbreaking. And then the stairs collapse beneath her, and she is fucking impaled. Um yeah. And so this is actually, I'm going to, I want to bring in a bit of trivia about this. Um, Charisma Carpenter actually suffered a, an accident in real life when she was very young, very similar to this. Um, oh, wow. When she was, I think about five years old, um, she was playing near a swimming pool that was like being constructed and basically this happened. She like fell through something and her, and was impaled by a piece of rebar, like exactly where Cordelia is because she had the, 
they specifically um, use that location because Charisma Carpenter has a scar there um, from that accident. Jeez. Yeah. So it's... um, So, and I do think in future appearances, whenever Cordelia's, like, torso is visible, that scar is there that is her real-life scar, um, but also presumably the scar that Cordelia receives from this episode. Okay. So. Interesting. Um, it's like, that's like really dark trivia, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, before, like, obviously like the Cordelia is the, um, Cordelia is the, uh, the reaction that you remember, but, uh, I also want to talk about like Oz's reaction, how mm-hmm. he's very, um, he's very like, we need to get out of here. And, mm-hmm. um, but you can tell, you can tell in oh, his face that he's like devastated. He is, he's upset, um, and I'm good on Seth Green for being able to convey that. Um, yeah, it seems like Oz is very monotone um, throughout, like his character, like story. It seems like he's very monotone, and yet he's able to convey emotions so well. Like, yeah, people give I Seth agree. Green people give Seth Green crap, but he doesn't deserve it. I agree. I think Oz, I, I, it takes a lot of skill to be able to play a character like Oz, who is so monotone, who is so kind of deadpan, but to give him the nuance that Seth Green does. And he, and he fucking does. I, I applaud Seth Green for, for what he gave to the character of Oz. Um, yep. Because he... Yeah, it's it's one of those things as an actor. I feel like I do this a lot where I'm like, as a writer, as an mm-hmm. actor, here is my opinion. But <laughs> it's it's really easy for people to overlook really good acting from someone who is playing a character like Oz. Yeah. Because they go, Oh, it's so easy to do that. It's not. It is not easy to do that. It's like um Andre Brower in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he he has he always like maintains like the stern serious tone, but mm-hmm. he also like is able to express so much through that, and I mean it's it's fantastic. I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah, hands down. My hands. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get back down. on track. Um, back at the magic shop, um, or actually like. Buffy, Angel, and Spike are just leaving the magic shop, and then they're mm-hmm. attacked by a gang of vampires who, um, sent who by the it's mayor. safe to assume was sent by the deputy mayor. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't have a huge amount to say about this. We get kind of our end episode battle scene. Um, one of these vampires is one of Spike's, like, former minions. And um, it's a good fight scene. Like, I... I love the way they use the um, uh, the um, the holy water, um, but shock of shocks they they win the battle. Yeah, it, I, if I feel like if there's like any um, if there's any uh, downside to this episode, it's honestly like this scene, which is like the most action packed. 
it feels like it's just kind of there. I, yeah. I do think it's interesting though that um, it is like the only time in the uh, in the series, to my knowledge, that Angel, Buffy, and Spike are all fighting on the same side. Ooh, I think you're right. The important thing is that basically Spike, like rediscovers his lust for violence his masculinity (laughs) um and this inspires him to go back to drusilla and win her back um there that that, i mean that's what happens there's not much yeah yeah um, it's it like i said it's it's somehow the most action-packed scene, but also, like, kind of the most uneventful compared to everything yeah. else going on with the episode. It is kind of weird, though, because I'm just now kind of realizing that uh, Buffy never gets around to saving saving anybody. Nope, like, she does not. Um, no, like, she and Angel are not able to save anybody. Like, um, Oz ends up calling the paramedics, and uh, yeah. they are the ones who get uh, Cordelia to the hospital. Yeah. And um and you know what's funny I, too Buffy's uh Buffy's initial instinct that Willow and Xander are just at the factory is right. Like yeah. I love that bit where she's like he probably just has them hidden here and he's like no I'm not I I would never be that stupid and and at the end he's like oh by the way that's exactly where I had your friends <laughs> hidden. But then there's like a then there's a I don't know whether this joke is funny or not. But, like, they really make it look like Cordelia dies. And this joke they, is funny. This, okay. This joke is funny. And I then just... like, And then they, like, <laughs> then they cut to, like, oh, this funeral. And you think, like, oh, God, is Cordelia dead? But then, um, then like, it shows Buffy and Willow walking together, like, oh, so Cordelia's going to be all right. <laughs> I, I, I maintain this joke is funny. And I'm going to tell a story, too, about this. So, as I have mentioned before... Um, I have, I have been watching in, in tangent with this rewatch of the show for the podcast. I've also been watching the show with my husband who's watching for the first time. And my husband is very spoiler averse. He's just like, just tell me what's going to happen so I can just watch this and enjoy it without having to think about like what will happen. So I had told my husband's one specific thing that happened uh, with Cordelia's character that I'm being very vague about on purpose right now. (laughs) Um, And so when we got to this episode and we got to this like funeral scene, he was like, wait a minute, you told me this and that hasn't happened. And I was like, and and then we got that <laughs> like oh Cordelia is gonna be all right <laughs> like, um so I I love that it's it's yeah it's a big middle finger to the audience but I think it's a fun middle finger to the audience <laughs> yeah um but yeah the uh and it is a bit of levity before this montage that happens because yeah, this and- montage is very sad. And uh, Willow, Willow's basically like, oh, Oz isn't talking to me. And so um, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm very ready to grovel and like beg and plead. And um, then Buffy goes to Angel 
And uh, she basically says, like, hey, we can't be friends. And mm-hmm. um, she's not going to see him anymore. And Angel's like, there's got to be a way. And she says, tell me that you don't love me. And Which, we can't. Listeners, maybe you will remember, tell me you don't love me is what was said by Grace and James back in uh, um, I Only Have Eyes for You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice little pull. It's, um, uh, and he can't say anything. There's no resolution there between the two of them. And, uh, and Xander, um, Xander, like, brings flowers to Cordelia while she's in the hospital, and he's, like, trying to talk to her, but then, like, Cordelia, who can, like, barely move, just, like, like, turns her head over towards Xander and says, like, stay away from me, which, I mean... It is... (sighs) Yeah. I, I... I frequently, I feel like I'm frequently praising Charisma Carpenter. Cordelia is one of my favorite characters. I think Charisma Carpenter does a fantastic job consistently portraying her. But wow, like that, that one line and that delivery of that one line of stay away from me is, I I feel that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I am, when she says that, I'm just like, God damn, that is, yeah. Yeah. Good job, Charisma, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and um, so then there's like, uh, the last part, it, the last of this of these scenes is the Angel Buffy scene, and it plays like the Angel Buffy theme, mm-hmm. and then like it segues into this slow, soft, guitar, sad guitar instrumental, and... Um, it basically just shows everybody not feeling great about the decisions that they've made. And then like immediately cuts to spike blaring, blasting the sex pistols and driving down the driving down the highway. Yes, Um, it does. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the sex pistols. It's their cover of the Frank Sinatra song, my way. Um, which was what spike was singing drunkenly to himself earlier in the episode like it's, it's a so nice that song's pull. actually by so that song is actually by paul anka oh fuck you're right frank yes, sinatra frank did sinatra a very sinatra famous did a cover, cover of, it. of it um and i obviously as evidenced by what i just did the frank sinatra cover is extremely famous but yeah um so yeah lovers walk Yep, that's that's it. That is um, <laughs> it's a bit of a downer note. Not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, but what an episode! What a like. I I I, I really enjoy this episode. I wh- how do you feel, Jason? I I enjoy too. Like I said, um, in the end, I don't. The only negative feelings I have are like the negative feelings I'm supposed to feel. Like, um, when I, when there are characters that I really like on a show, even though it's good storytelling, I don't like it when bad things happen to them. (laughs) And like, cause it it hurts me when I've like gone to get close to characters. And, and even though I, I rag on Xander all the time, um, I don't, uh, I like 
the trajectory that he and Cordelia were on. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, like Xander and Willow, like the whole thing had to stop. And, uh, yeah, it did. We'll see in the, um, we'll see in the coming weeks what fate has in store for them mm-hmm. for those four of Willow, Oz, Xander, and Cordelia. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I think this is a really strong episode. I, as I mentioned earlier, this episode didn't necessarily need Spike, but I'm glad he's here. Like yeah. it, it, he, he's such a good, um, a good anchor for this episode because so much, like this episode is all about like people coming to terms and defining relationships in their lives. And if it had just been about that, then like it probably wouldn't be as good Mm-hmm. Like it would have just been like, oh, this is a episode that like basically just is trying to be really neat about how it moves mm-hmm. the stories forward. But this way, like it has a little spin. It's got Spike now. He's the uh, he's the X Factor. Yeah, and he's and he's a great X Factor. Yep. Um. So for me, I'm gonna give this episode. Uh, I'm gonna give it four out of five. Uh dead owners of the magic shop i will give it four out of five uh, eyes of rats eyes of rats very nice uh, i love that um uh so if uh, do you have a drinking game for this episode um i guess uh hmm gosh why do i always forget to do this while i'm watching the episode um Take a drink anytime. Uh, take a drink anytime Spike takes a drink. Nice, that's good. That's good. I was gonna say, take a drink for every mini marshmallow that Joyce gives Spike. And, and then it's kind <laughs> I don't of. I think she actually gets. That yeah, it's drinker's choice. Like, how many marshmallows do you think that Joyce gave him? How much would you want in a Joyce Summers hot chocolate? I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I agree. I I am I came away really positively of this episode. Um, I do have one little bit of kind of weird trivia um, outside. I I think the scar on uh, from Charisma Carpenter is the big one. But apparently there was a lot of disagreement about what the title of this episode was. Um, not not what the title. It was always Lover's Walk, but where the apostrophe went. Um, <laughs> so there was... Uh, the official version is that there is no apostrophe. The title is just Lover's Walk, which I actually love because I think that's that just as a sentence uh, like a short sentence it's very indicative of what this episode was but there were versions of it that were released with an apostrophe before the s and after the s and it's it's just i just think that's so fascinating how one apostrophe can change that meaning depending Hmm. on where you put it so uh, so yeah, that's Lover's Walk. Yep. Um, anything else from you, Jason? Nope. I am. I, I have said what I need to say. <laughs> All right. 
Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. Uh, we will be back next week with The Wish. Ooh, so um, I, uh, you all already know that my favorite Buffy Universe character is Angel. In The Wish, we get to meet my second favorite Buffy Universe character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ and on Twitter at YamiJ357. Uh, and it, it might be the other way around. Uh, I, <laughs> I literally forget because I like don't pay attention to my profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I just post stuff. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I am Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, and the and is spelled out, A-N-D, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Again, the and is spelled out, A-N-D. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on YouTube, where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers that we cannot talk about on the podcast because we are spoiler-free. And that's also where you can see me as a blonde currently. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good look. Thank you. Uh, It it looked better once I cut it after dyeing it. (laughs) Um, Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh, please, please, please give us a five-star rating or, I mean, whatever many stars you think we deserve, but, you know, five stars are good. And um, each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit, but as we said um, at the top of the episode or after the uh, after the intro music, excuse me, um, uh, we're not promoting any specific nonprofit this week. Uh, just uh, we want to continue to... We want to encourage uh, support of the Black Lives Matter movement um so this can be to like uh bail funds um Mm -hmm. donations of supplies anything um and like it's happening across the country it's happening in every state all these protests are so probability likelihood is like there's probably one happening close to you um but yeah keep the uh keep the support of the black lives matter movement going um and we're, please refer to the show notes for this week's episode for links to the resources. All right. Well, with all of that, uh, happy Pride and go slay. And be gay. Bye.